and welcome to this episode of the Denfos Way podcast. I'm your host, Jack Rouse. I'm a former Navy journalist and a current instructor here at the Defense Information School. Joining me today are Denfos faculty members, Tech Sergeant Joseph Pagan and Miss Melissa Weatherspoon, and they're here to talk to us today about our school's mobile training teams. Since March of 2020, Denfos mobile training teams have trained more than 1,200 students during 24 training events in public affairs, visual information, and broadcast maintenance fundamentals for all military services, intergovernmental agencies, and our international partners. On this episode, we'll learn more about who they are, what they do, and how they operate. Tech Sergeant, ma'am, thank you for joining us. Oh, no problem. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's good to see you guys. I don't get to see uh, enough people around the building, so uh, new faces that I haven't met yet are always great. Absolutely. This building's bigger than people, I, I guess, think. You know, when I first got here, uh, I heard someone refer to it as Little Pentagon, and that has always stuck with me as, uh, as appropriate. Yeah, definitely easy to get lost. Yeah, when you when you look at both departments, it's uh, I feel like I'm not a part of MCF. PAX and MCF is just a split. Yeah, because we're so spread apart. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, enough inside baseball. Um, <laughs> we are here to talk about mobile training teams. And I guess the first thing that I would ask of you guys is if you could tell us a little bit about what you do here at Dinfos and what you do for the mobile training team. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. I'll go first. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, my name is Mel Weatherspoon. I'm the only one who ever called me Melissa was my mother. So, we're going to go by Mel. Um, I am the mobile training team program manager. So, all things mobile training go through my office um, so that's what I do here at Denfos. Uh, but a little bit of background, because I think it gives it perspective, is I am a retired Navy uh, mass communications specialist. I did 26 years in the Navy, so I've been around a block a little bit. Um, been to Denfos in a variety of capacities. I've been in uniform as an instructor, um, a uh, senior enlisted in a department, a contract instructor, a GS, and now a GS employee. So I've been pretty much every facet of of how you can work at Denfos. So I've been around for a little bit, and uh, I love it. Denfos, I love it. I love the Denfos way. Absolutely. Well, thanks for saying that. I love it here, too. Uh, Tech Sergeant, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am Tech Sergeant Joseph Pagan. I've been at the Defense Information School now for almost three and a half years. Uh, how I ended up in the mobile training teams was actually luck, but uh, blessings. So uh, content management course closed down. They were looking for an instructor to replace a role in the intermediate public affairs specialist course. Made the switch to that curriculum and it happened to be the only course that was able to go mobile. So through through mentorship and leadership, I became the team lead. And now we are uh, one of now two courses that completely go overseas or, or anywhere CONUS to teach a course. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, First things first, I guess, would be for anybody who doesn't know about what the mobile training teams are and what they do, how do they expand upon our mission here? So how I like to uh, brand the mobile training program is hashtag beyond the classroom. Um, the great thing about mobile training is for most of us who have been out in the fleet and field, it's hard to get back to Denfo sometimes, especially for a long course. Um, even a two-week course is sometimes hard. Um so the, the, the great thing about the mobile training team is that we can take the training to the fleet, to the field, um, and provide them training when they need it, where they need it, and how they need it. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into that today. But, um, again, it's hard. I mean, a lot of us know when we were out there in uniform, it's hard to get back here um, and leave our mission because sometimes we're one deep. Um, and, you know, even two or three people – 
in in an office, one leaves, and that that leaves a huge hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But uh, I think that the fact that we can take courses like the Intermediate Public Affairs Specialist course or the Visual Information Management course out there, uh, really, we can get at a unit who potentially is getting ready to deploy, um, and they need those skill set. They need those skill sets. Um, on a massive scale. But uh, the other thing that I know we're going to talk about that today is not a whole course to deploy, but specialized, real-time, uh, tailored training to a unit. What specific topics does the mobile training team tend to cover when they're out in the field? So in all honesty, we've covered almost every fun uh, functional area that the schoolhouse teaches. Everything from writing uh, video, graphics, public affairs, photography, and we're even right now discussing on how we can support uh, the defense media activity with maintenance courses oh, or cool. uh, abbreviated portions of the maintenance course to get out there for our maintainers out in the field and the fleet. Do you see any of the specific topics that are more recommended? Absolutely. Than My top uh, topics right now are social media, writing, graphics, public affairs, fundamentals, and videography. Oh, very cool. So really just the cornerstones of everything that we do. That's great. Um, And Tech Sergeant, what is it actually like being out there with a mobile training team? Well, I think the first thing to say, it's just an amazing opportunity. One, you're coming to an assignment where it's a control tour. You don't get to travel that much. It's mostly in-house. So the ability to take your teachings, your, your lessons, you're basically taking pavilion and putting it in a classroom anywhere around the world. Uh, so being able to do that, being able to teach one, you're building your skills as an NCO, as an instructor, as a future senior NCO, but then you're, you're bringing the schoolhouse to, to an area of operations. And I think that's what we really strive to do. It's to take lessons, change them and mold them to the area you're in. So the students feel like they're, they're learning something that that they can use right away. And oftentimes in the classroom, we talk about the DIMFOS way and students are saying, well, how can I apply this knowledge to where I am? Well, when you go to the location, you tailor your lessons to that, and students go away with being able to apply it literally immediately once they go back to their office. And we, have, we, and we often have to tell them, don't do work. I know you're learning how to create a public affairs guidance, or you're learning these different aspects of the RPI process, but when you get back, that's the time to use it. And, and take anything that we teach you, save it so that you can apply it to what you're doing. I did want to make a comment about a, uh, an IPASC that the team took to Japan. When was that, uh, Tech Sergeant? When did you, I, we we like would be this in Japan time last, last year. year. Yes. Okay. Yep. So one year ago, uh, they went to Japan. And the big deal about that one is they were in an AOR that had mid-level NCOs working in a capacity as public affairs officers, public affairs professionals. And they were in those offices where they were one deep or two deep and the leadership over there recognized the uh, importance of public affairs, which was great. When leadership recognizes how important public affairs is and says all the way up to the highest flag at Indo-PACOM that we need public affairs training in Japan, they reached out to us. And um, that team went over there and trained 20 public affairs professionals. And that saved, in all honesty, it was um, twenty thousand dollars to send three people over there, where it would have been almost two hundred thousand dollars to send those people back here. Wow! And they were able to give training to those. It was a, it was a joint class, right? It wasn't just Navy. It was, you had folks uh, from Air Force. We had the basically anyone from the Indo Asia region. Right. Yep. Air and Force. So they gave them that 
public affairs fundamental training so that those uh, service members could actually fulfill the missions they were these billets they were in that they did not have the training at the time but because it's hard to get people over to that AOR we just took the training to them and I just wanted to make a point that they were a hit um, they were a massive hit and I have requests coming out you know coming from all places on the globe for that course but that was the mission impact they had over there in the Indo-PACOM AOR. That's great. I know from experience, having spent three years living in Japan, that uh, the members of the mobile training team probably had fun while they were out there, too. Um, I know also that we are especially proud of the work that we've done in Ukraine and the teams that we've sent over there. Can you speak to that a little bit? So um, I was not in the seat when the teams went to Ukraine. Um, the funny story is I got hired 10 days before the uh, pandemic so I got hired, and then 10 days later, they're like, we're not going anywhere. I'm like, hmm, how do you go mobile? That's another story for another day. <laughs> um, but the data that I received was a lot of the work they had done in Ukraine. Um, and Mr. Rivers Johnson, who's our international military student officer, was on that team. And the reason I bring that up is because the contacts and the networking that that team uh, managed to uh, succeed in uh, while they were in Ukraine, the Ukrainians are actually applying what they learned in these mobile trainings right now in the middle of uh, what's going on over there. But even bigger than that, they made uh, they built relationships with these Denfos instructors and they are still mentoring and coaching them from afar because that's the relationships that they made. That's fantastic. Um, so in addition to that, we have several countries right now in the uh, European theater who are reaching out to me because of what we did in Ukraine, the mobile training that we did in Ukraine. I'm working with three more countries over there. I'm not going to mention them by name because it's still in the planning phases, um, but because of the work we did um, with our mobile training in Ukraine, a lot of the countries in that region are like, we need it too. That's great. As well as we're working with NATO to, um, on a larger scale. I, I, in that uh, answer, you said that um, they're obviously still reaching out to some instructors here. Is uh, post-MTT course support something that's part of the mobile training team effort? Um, not really sure I understand that question. So is it, um, are they able to reach back out to us at any point as, from a schoolhouse perspective for answers to questions or things like that? Absolutely. And as we know, uh, um, the DEMFOX instructors, um, we always, I think we always say that, you know, once you're a DEMFOX trained killer, you're part of the family. Um, and we're absolutely carrying that ambassadorship in, through our MTTs and building these networks so that they know they have you know, a point of contact at the schoolhouse. And we always make sure that um, a couple of things, we make sure that they know they can reach back anytime they need to. You're now part of the Demphos family um, and let us know when you need us. But also we always share pavilion when we're out there on MTT so they know they can reach out through that mechanism as well. And, and so that, would you say that's pretty accurate? Absolutely. Dexarm? And I've, I've had more students who I've taught on MTTs reach back to me than in-house and, and it's still happening to this day. Even though I was in Japan a year ago, one of the students was at Dimfos about a month ago and he came and talked to me and said, I'm using PAG, I'm using this. Can you provide this document to me that you were, you taught from? So it's, it's building connections that, that last forever. Absolutely. Tech Sergeant, can you tell us a little bit about what it was actually like to attend uh, that mobile training team in Japan? 
maybe some good stories from from being out on the road. By the way, they also went to Hawaii. I'm just going to throw that in there real quick. Man, it's not like these mobile <laughs> training tough teams game. go into fun places <laughs> yeah. or anything. And, and we have to show love to Fort Polk, right? We went yeah, down they, to Fort yeah. Polk too. <laughs> Fort Polk, Louisiana. No, it's it's it is a blast, but it it is difficult and challenging from a, a team leader uh, responsibility because you are taking Dimfos you're taking the faculty, the staff, IT, and you're moving it to wherever it is you're going. But being Japan, it was a challenge because it was our first time Oconus. So you're running into issues with with uh, technology, whether you're going to have internet. So you have to be prepared to teach online and uh, with handouts. So we, we prepared for that by having everything that we could teach in a, in a notebook. But what it did was it gave us a baseline moving forward. So every time we go on the next one, we're that more prepared. Uh, one issue that we ran into was having enough bandwidth for everyone who was on Wi-Fi. So we were using these hotspots that within the first day were gone. So we had to have everyone turn off their computers. But it's a learning experience, right? We did our after action. We were able to tell our, you know, whoever's requesting us next what we need uh, to prepare. Uh, but it's just an incredible experience. Not only are you building those relationships that we talked about earlier, but you're, you're learning how to come back and improve your skill set at the schoolhouse and prepare for future MTTs. Awesome. Did that answer the question? It sure did. Okay. Mel, a few minutes ago, you mentioned um, Pavilion. And just for our listeners who may not know what that is, can you kind of talk about what Pavilion is and how it supports the mission? Yeah, I'm a big cheerleader and a big fan of Pavilion. Pavilion is also like the MTTs. It's a it's a beyond the classroom uh, tool that Denfos has incorporated into our mission uh, to me that expands beyond brick and mortar, right? Um, as we move into always moving into new technology, it was our way of modernizing. Um, but it gets the training into the hands of the uh, public affairs and visual information specialists uh, when they need it, where they need it. And um, we just, we actually just had a, uh, a big, um, the social media forum we just had here in the building and we gave them a brief on public, on, on pavilion and many haven't heard of it. And what w- the big thing that they took away from it is it really does give them uh, training materials that they can incorporate into their own training plans. And it covers everything that we pretty much teach here in the building. But there's also a mechanism to where if there's something missing, like if there's a training topic that's missing out there, um, Folks can there's a there's a feedback mechanism or ask a question uh, mechanism w- built into Pavilion where they can say hey we we need to do X Y and Z and I don't see it on Pavilion can y'all potentially look into adding that um, so we're really taking a lot of feedback from the fleet in the field in what they need um, I think Pavilion is in its infancy still on the things that we could do with it. That's Mel's perspective. There's so much we can do with that. But also Pavilion is tied to the MTT program in that they can request MTTs at the bottom of Pavilion. Um, Pavilion, um, I'm not sure if in your show notes you're going to put that URL, but it's pavilion.denfos.edu. Um, and it's great training. I can tell you gr- coming up in the Navy as a leader in the Navy, if I would have had pavilion, wow, would my life have been so much easier when I was building a training plan. Um, it covers everything, not everything, but it covers most of what we teach here in this building, but puts it in uh, chunkable bites um, to where you can use it either on your own as an individual trying to learn that information or um 
build a training plan behind it. And I know there's a lot of things that they're looking to do with Pavilion, and so more to follow on that. Uh, probably another good podcast to talk about Pavilion. Um, but we definitely partner and make sure that we're uh, championing P- uh, Pavilion when we're out on our MTTs. I hope that was a, an answer for you. Yeah, another cool aspect is instructors get to play a part in developing Pavilion. So I'm currently on a social media team that's going through and reviewing things that have already been produced and things that are in the works of being added right and making pavilion. sure they're up to date. Absolutely. So it's it's just a cool process to to learn, and those are coming directly from student feedback. So if I'm in the classroom teaching social media and someone mentions Hootsuite and I don't think that's on Pavilion, I can have the luxury of going in and, and chatting with the Pavilion folks and saying, hey, I think you need to add something on Hootsuite because they're, it's being asked about a lot. Not only that, for Intermediate Public Affairs Specialist course, I can guarantee that every single lesson, there is something from Pavilion that we are pulling up and having students look at as part of their activities. That's great. I'm constantly steering students towards Pavilion. Absolutely. It is such an incredible resource to have that online training resource available at any time for folks who learn, to go on and say, maybe they forgot how to write a public affairs guidance or, or how to write a briefing card. You can just go on there, see examples. You know, if you forgot the what a lead The templates are amazing. Is, I mean, it's just the whole thing is Absolutely, just really 100%. I, I, I am a big fan of Pavilion. I'm glad that it's becoming um, more frequently used in the building. So one important point about uh, the, a little bit of a difference between Pavilion and the mobile training team program. The mobile training team program is geared toward the Department of Defense and our international partners, military partners. And um, uh, as I spoke about the social media forum that we just had, we had a lot of other government agencies who attended that. Um, and because mobile training is really geared toward DOD, Pavilion, you know, those folks can use Pavilion. So that's one thing that um, it's more of a benefit to those folks because they, right now, we don't support uh, other government agencies right now in the, in the um, MTT program. So I do want to mention another point about Pavilion, which was cool. I'm currently um, attending American Military University, and this is not a plug for the schoolhouse or for the for the, the school, but I wrote up a, a letter or rather a discussion post about the capabilities of Pavilion. And AMU is catered to a lot of military spouses. And I had the most comments that week about people saying, I never heard of this. It's so cool. Absolutely. And I was, I was just pushing the power of communications. Mm-hmm. So people were downloading it and going there and just thanking me for providing this, this resource that they can take back to wherever it is they go. That's very cool. I, I, from what we've talked about, I've come to learn that there's really not a subject that we don't teach on the mobile training teams, but I know that you guys are particularly proud of the condensed public affairs course that you've come up with, the five-day, essentially foundational public affairs course that you teach. Can you talk a little bit about that? So uh, it's, it's interesting you say that because we're actually doing an in-house MTT for a local uh, command next week <laughs> here on the, that's based upon that public affairs fundamental shell if you will. So um, before I talk about that necessarily is my number one line of effort in the mobile training team program is to build real time tailored training for a unit or an organization so that they can succeed in their mission. That's my number one goal. Um, And although we have like the five day public affairs shell It's just a shell. And we look, we do extensive conversations with the potential clients so that we can tailor that training to them. Like, for example, 
we've had folks in that five-day public affairs fundamentals, which is based upon the communication planning process of research, planning, implementation, and evaluation, what many of us call the RPI process. Um, that's the, found, uh, the, the foundation of the five-day public affairs fundamentals boot camp or workshop, if you will. Um, but we take that, and for example, we had an organization that wanted a lot of it structured, structured toward more media, like doing media interviews. So we incorporate that. We had one that they wanted more social media. Um, so it's a five-day shell built off of communication planning process that we tailor the five-day schedule to meet the needs of the client. Um, and like we're getting ready to take it internationally next month. Um, and there's a portion there that's taken and the whole focus is on that region, what's going on in that region. Now, in many of our courses, and I think even in IPASC, um, there's a service unique portion of all the classes. So where we would have that here in the schoolhouse, we kind of do that with the MTTs too. We incorporate like a service unique or a region specific or a command specific uh area within that schedule. So um, the reason why we're so proud of it is it really does get to the heart of what public affairs is. And um, some people don't get to come back to the schoolhouse. There's a lot of civilians, military uh, who are out there working within the Department of Defense, uh, working in these jobs that haven't been able to get back to the schoolhouse. So sometimes that's like a placeholder. So that five days is often a placeholder for as they wait to get a seat in in a course. Um, I have another story real quick, so I don't know where you would put this, but I would like to talk about that. I had an individual call me. He works for an Army organization. He's a civilian. Um, and he said, hey, Mel, I heard about your MTT program, and I have a question for you. Um, do you do training for just one person? <laughs> and I said, well, let's talk. Uh, this was an individual who was at an Army organization, and he's a VI specialist. He's uh, graphics by trade, uh, scientific graphics, too, some, you know, forensics and all that stuff. I really I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, well, as budgets tightened and his shop, they started, like, dwindling the shop, and then they merged him with public affairs, which has been done recently. A lot of public affairs VI shops are merging together. Um, he found himself in a position where the public affairs officer left and they're like, you've been knighted. You're the public affairs <laughs> officer. He's like, I have no public affairs training. He's one deep. So he called me. He's like, Hey Mel, help. So I have actually been working with this gentleman and going through what would be typically that five day public affairs fundamentals and just piecemealing it together. <laughs> and I told him over the next six months, we'll get you there. That's Until great. they hire a public affairs professional. So he and I do like lunchtime meetings and stuff. Um, but it's all built upon that public affairs fundamentals foundation. But you may not have five days you can spare. Um, so we'll tailor it. We'll figure it out. We can do all kinds of cool stuff. But I wanted to throw that out there. That's really amazing. Which adds to another cool story, which was Fort Polk, Louisiana. Absolutely. We we went down to some, uh, support an Army command who had, I believe, 40 yeah, there was a lot. 40 people who were all in the UPAR position, Unit Public Affairs Representative, where they're filling in as a PA specialist, but have no idea how to do the PA job. So we, we took the IPASS course 
cut out the homework assignments just down to the lessons and split it into half days. So we were getting 20 people in the morning, 20 people in the afternoon, and now we've basically trained 40 people to do this intermediate public affairs work. So where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. The whole key to it is, um, and following on the Commandant's initiative, is training is needed out there, and not a lot of people can get to the schoolhouse. So, Mel, figure out a way to where we can we can be uh, a source of training for folks because it all boils down to mission success. And our priority is how can we support your mission? The, the classes in this schoolhouse are... We're elite. Um, I there's just not enough you can say about the training that takes place at Denfos. Um, it's amazing training, and people, you know, we have alumni, we have Denfos train killers out there that, you know, they want to they're chomping at the bit to get back to the schoolhouse because this training is awesome. Um, but sometimes they have an emergent need, like they just need this one thing. Like, what's this infographics thing? You know, we need to know how to build infographics. All right. Let's build an MTT that just talks about infographics. So uh, that's how we can do it. We can get after an emergent need and be that center of excellence, you know, using that term, um, be that go-to organization. They're like, we need training. Where's Denfos? Right? That's awesome. I know – I know that the program has had to change since its inception. Obviously, we've lived through an entire pandemic since then, and some of those mobile training teams uh, have gone virtual for some training courses. How else has the program sort of changed and adapted since its inception? Um, Well, I've been here for three years. Uh, um, I can't say I was the first person that was hired on as a program manager because I don't know if between, you know, the full history, but I've been around this, you know, squalls for a long time. But first of all, they made it a... A priority and uh, hired someone instead of like a collateral duty for someone. So that was a big change in that they have someone full time uh, in the seat as a program manager so that um, they demonstrate that's a priority. To me, that's a big change. So there's someone to answer to answer the requests all the time. So that's a big change. So through the pandemic, as I was say, if I said before, is that I got hired on 10 days. I got hired on on March 2nd. March 12th, we were at home, right? And at the time, I asked the commandant who was here, what's your definition of mobile? And his answer was, Mel, what's your definition of mobile? I'm like, well, if you know Mel, that's a dangerous thing to say because I'm going to figure something out. Um, But it's all about being innovative, creative, and figuring out because, you know, trying to get to what the client needs. So mobile to me means getting on a plane, getting in a car, and going to them to train them. Mobile also means maybe a brown bag lecture at lunchtime that's on Microsoft Teams or Blackboard Collaboration or whatever uh, virtual conferencing platform that we can do. Um, It means uh, a full day of training on a weekend for a National Guard or Reserve unit. So I think the difference is now is tell me what your need is, Tell me why you need this, and we'll figure out a way. So to me, that's the biggest difference. In January of 2021, when IPASS kind of went through this rewrite process, uh, it was very geared toward in-the-classroom learning. Now that we've you know, done four MTTs, we are doing a rewrite, and the rewrite is very much geared to how do we support mobile trainings and the classroom. 
So we're figuring out ways to put activities into our master lesson plans that benefit a future instructor coming in saying, okay, now I have a choice to teach this activity in the classroom and then also immediately switch to another one when I go mobile. So all of our lessons are geared toward going either way to support wherever we're, we're headed. Now, there are some topics that really do benefit from hands-on. You know, when you're teaching basic camera operations or, uh, you know, working with some of the software that uh, folks need to, like, build an infographic or doing media interviews. Well, not even that one, too, because we figured out how to do that one, too, very well, virtually, because that's what the media is doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there are some lessons that just really benefit from in-person. But I will tell you this, if it doesn't need to be in-person, then let's not do it in-person, because we need to be good stu stewards of the taxpayers' money. And if we can not spend travel and per diem money uh, to uh, complete an MTT and still get the information to them, that's really the big key is uh, get the training to them in the best way possible, but also being good stewards of the taxpayers' money. And when you don't need to do it in person, let's do it virtual. I was going to ask you, um, that was my next question. It seems like there are some major differences between our international partnership training and then some of what we do here domestically. Is there, does anything else come to mind that is a, sort of a major difference between the, the two trainings? Are you talking about the uh, international military student program yeah. that the courses here that happen here in the building? Yes, ma'am. Um, so, again, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but when you're going back to folks coming to the training here in the building, uh, they're long courses, um, like very long courses, more than a month, right? Um, even though I think some of our international students do come to IPASC, um, so that's only a two-week training. But our courses are long. I mean, they're thorough and they're long. But sometimes there's an immediate need. Um, and we can meet that immediate need through an MTT. The other thing is when countries come to our courses here at the schoolhouse, typically they're coming one, maybe two from that country. So you may have one from this country, one from that country. When we make, when we take a mobile training team to places like Morocco or, um, Ukraine or the Congo, we've been there, um, we're training more than one person from that country. We're training folks who work together in units, in organizations. So to me, that's the biggest difference is it's, you know, it's like going and when we take an iPask out, we take it and we're training a unit, right? So sometimes that's amazing because now you're learning the strengths and weaknesses of each other. You're all learning the same thing. Um, and it's not one person coming here and then bringing that knowledge back. So it's like a train the trainer kind of um, situation. We're training whole units and we're training folks up to 20, 24 folks from a country. We recently took a five person team to Slovenia. There were three different subjects and five instructors wow. that went and they trained social media, graphics and video and photo fundamentals. There were three different courses going on simultaneously within five days. So imagine that, though, you know, if folks out there are in a unit, it's great to send some back, somebody back to the schoolhouse and bring back that knowledge. But what if that knowledge was given to the entire unit at the same time? That's the huge difference, in my opinion. You've talked a couple times about how the course is constantly adapting uh, and innovating to meet the needs of our um, students wherever they are and however they come to us. 
what is your method for sort of evaluating the successes or failures of each individual course? So when we go out to uh, conduct an MTT, every course here in this building has a survey at the end. We do the same survey at, with these MTTs. So we are capturing feedback uh, from the MTT at the end of every MTT. Maybe not all of them because some of them, if it's just like a one-hour seminar, uh, usually we'll just get feedback from the client. But we conduct surveys just like we do end-of-course surveys uh, in the classrooms here. That's great. That's definitely the one way to get the word directly from right. the mouths of the students. That's amazing. And then if they're repeat offenders, we know we're doing something right. Yeah, right? If they call you back twice. When they're calling me back, we know we're doing something right. So, I mean, you've got to have some plans for the future, right? So where do you see the mobile training team going over the next couple of years? So I'm probably speaking out of turn, but I think the mobile training team is going to be more scheduled. Uh, right now, we don't have a designated mobile training team, if you will, with the exception of the visual information management uh, team that's getting ready to go out in January or the Intermediate Public Affairs Specialist course that already has two iterations scheduled for um, fiscal year 24. But what we're finding is, um, let me backtrack a little bit. Because I don't have a designated team, I'm working when instructors are available. So when those requests come through me, and I look at them, I'm looking for feasibility, I'm really getting to what's the desired end state of the training that the client wants to uh, us to bring. Um, I have to work with volunteers and I have to work through the leadership to say, hey, I have this training that some, this unit wants, this is the mission um, impact that that training is gonna have, and this is their desired end state they reach out and they get volunteers. So the reason why I say it's gonna be a little bit more structured, more uh, scheduled, is that I can see those kind of those gaps in, uh, especially uh, like, the, like the five day shell that we have, right? Um, but now I'm finding I have a lot of those little five day shells, if you will, because I know what people are asking for. Like we have a three day social media. Okay, when can we fit that in the schedule? Um, so I think we're going to see a lot more um, gaps in the training that we can actually plug in dates to where I can sell that to the client, if you will. Um, but then also what I have found is because we're continuously getting the same requests, then now I have enough items to where I'll be able to build a catalog. Um, so people can, it'll make the process a little easier for me because right now I spend a lot of time with the client just getting down to what's the need. But now I'll have some off the shelf op options for them um, that they can build from. We have folks who return to Demphos for the first time in 15 years who, who aren't getting training during that time. And I think the point is that mobile training allows every single member of the communications field to get training when they need it. And there's, mm -hmm. there's no excuse anymore. There's pavilion, there's mobile trainings, there's these, these condensed courses. So don't be afraid to put those requests out and, and get the help that you need because we can accommodate. I've actually had an individual who was deploying to Djibouti and he called me up and he's like, hey, Mel, I haven't been through a public affairs course in a very long time. I need this one topic. I took my computer, sat in the back of the classroom and brought him in through Google. And I was student number 13 in the back of the class um, because he had an emergent need to deploy. Um, so that's how creative we are. 
Yeah, we will find a way here, darn Absolutely. It. One way or the other. Absolutely. I If I can uh, tell you anything about our current commandant is, and his advice to me is, Mel, support this mission um, and support our troops out there who are fulfilling the communication mission. Um, because public affairs and visual information is vital to the overarching military mission. And when information was designated as a warfare, war fighting function, wow, did that open the door for this schoolhouse to have a major impact on operations out there in the field and the fleet. So if you are an instructor here who wants to be part of a team, or if you are um, a, a student out there who wants mobile team training, how do you sort of apply to do both of those things? Okay, well, let's start with those folks in-house who are instructors. Um, I have a request process for both the DOT and uh, the Public Affairs and Communication Strategy Directorate. So I have two processes for that that I've worked out with leadership. So let's talk on the DOT side. Um, if I get a request that I know is more tailored toward the skill sets from um, the Director of Training, the MCF, uh, that kind of world, um, I send that request through the senior enlisted of the of the dot. He and I discuss it. We kind of work out a little some of the bugs, and then it goes out to the MCF teams, uh, to the leadership, so that they can ask for volunteers. Now, what they're looking for is folks who have completed all their their qualifications, who are doing what they're supposed to do in the classroom before they can volunteer for. Uh, an MTT. So if you're out there and you're working on your quals, get them done, you want to do MTTs, hey, let's go do some MTTs. Um, so that's kind of how that process works. Make sure you're getting your qualifications done, you're doing everything you can and supposed to be doing as an instructor here in the building. And then you can, uh, when those requests come out, you can jump up and say, hey, I have that skill set. Uh, I want to go. So that's how it works on that side of the house for um, the other side of the house for the Public Affairs and Communication Strategy Directorate, or PACS-D as we call it, um, it's kind of the same process, but I work mostly with the academic directors. Um, and then I reach out because I know, because I, I come from this world, I have a lot of experience in the public affairs world, I kind of know who to go to. So then I reach out and say, hey, we got this going on, who do you want to volunteer? And again, it's an all-volunteer uh, uh, basis. So you don't have to do MTTs. No one's telling you you have to do MTTs. So um, that's the good thing about it. Now, another good thing is that we've been working on is contractor support. We can and are working to uh, on our first MTTs that are CONUS uh, for contract support. We're trying it out in fiscal year 24. We'll get back to you next year and see how it went. That's great. So the countries or the international students or even the domestic students that are interested, do they just message you or how do they get in touch to request it? So there's a few options on how if you're out there in the fleet and field and you're listening to this and you want an MTT. So there's a couple of ways you can do that. Actually, a few. Um, at the bottom of Pavilion, which I'm, you know, plug in Pavilion again, pavilion.denfos.edu, right? Um, at the bottom, it's training. There's a button you click and it sends an email. Um, it's a distribution box, so it not just, uh, it's not just sent to me. There's a couple other people just to make sure that Mel sees it. So, because um, I get, like yesterday, I got four requests in one day. Wow. Um, and a lot of them are inquiries, but that's one way you can do it. So, reach out through Pavilion. Uh, spend some time perusing Pavilion while you're there before you ask me, attorney. Um, and then uh, send me a note. 
Uh, a lot of it is just networking. I've done uh, reaching out to people because people who have gone to the IPASS MTT, now they're like, oh, hey, uh, we can do this training. We can get MTT for our unit. Uh, the VIM class, Visual Information Management class, has a block in there where they're teaching people how to build training plans. All of those students learn about how to request an MTT. So again, that's through networking and not those kind of things. Um, on the Denfos website, under academics, I believe, there's a mobile training team page. There's also a link to email and, uh, and there's a form on there. The beauty of that form, it helps you walk through the entire process so you have some of the things that you need to bring to the table before you uh, request an MTT. So we have networking, we have pavilion, we have, it's on the Denfos webpage. And can you, is there something I'm missing that you can think of, Dexarn? Um, we also, just to put in a plug for Denfos Live, uh, if you watch Denfos Live, oftentimes they'll talk about uh, MTTs. So, um, and then if you just, the instructors who are out there, if you get people calling back and say, hey, we need more training, call Mel. So that's a good way to do it. Networking is so It's huge. We had, people leave classes and they just don't talk about it. Talk about what we're teaching. Talk about the mobile training because that's the only way we're going to continue to strengthen strengthen ourselves. And what's the motto of Denfos? Strength through truth, right? That's so. right. So what would you say, Tech Sergeant, is to either an instructor who's maybe on the fence about volunteering or uh, a group that's uh, kind of on the fence about whether they should ask for a mobile training team or not? What would you say to kind of push them over the edge? Always start with the question of why. Why do you need it? What is in it? What, you know, with them, what is in it, what is in it for me? Mm -hmm. um, and training. A lot of times instructors come to Denfos and you're here four years. You don't get that opportunity to TDY or TAD. Um, but there's always opportunities to go to another side of the building and get training here in-house. We've had, I think, between five to ten instructors come through IPASC. Those folks need to go back and tell other instructors. They also need to be telling the brand-new students who are being pipelined into the career field, and it's all about networking. And, and people are excited, even as instructors, saying, hey, I want to come teach your course. I want to go mobile train. We need those people to keep stepping up and asking so that we can continue to grow and network our, our career field. Another good thing for the instructors here, one of the really cool things, especially on that mobile training team we did to Slovenia, um, there were instructors from both sides of the house, and they got to go on a team together. Those opportunities don't uh, present themselves very often. So there was a lot of networking that was done from folks who teach MCF and then folks who teach the intermediate classes and PAX Q over on the other side. So to me, that was a that was a win win for everybody that they got to go out there and uh, um, and work together as a team. Um, another thing I will say, if you're out there and you're thinking about a mobile training team, inquire. Uh, you never know what it is we can offer. And um, the one thing I will say is you may have folks who are out there and they know the business and, you know, they're a Denfos train killer and they've been out there in the field. But if you can sell to your command, um, hey, we can bring a Denfos instructor to us to train this. And this is what they're learning at the schoolhouse so that we're consistent with the folks who are graduating from here and those are out there in the fleet and field. So now there's that consistency of learning across the DOD. Um, so that's the beauty of it as well. But also the only thing you're paying for if you're bringing us out is travel and per diem. And that's minimal. Imagine the cost like we were talking about with Japan of bringing your whole entire unit here versus taking one instructor to you. 
That's a cost savings that's huge. Makes so much more sense. And if you're trying to get an off the shelf from a, a an organization out there that's selling it, you're going to pay a lot more than what we're charging because all we're all we need is travel and per diem. And also, if it's one of those things that's doesn't require anybody to travel and it's a an afternoon brown bag, it doesn't cost you anything. You know, we're bringing a Denfos instructor to you, and it doesn't cost you anything but time. Um, and the thing is, if you have all your people going through Pavilion and doing a bunch of objects in Pavilion, and you're like, oh, we sure would like to have an instructor who we can ask questions to, do that. You know, make like a training plan with stuff on Pavilion and then say, hey, Mel, can you have a lunchtime gig with an instructor so we can ask them questions about what we just learned on Pavilion? That's a win-win for everybody. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. I think we've really learned a whole lot about the mobile training teams and not just what they do, but how successful they are right now. Is there anything else that you guys want to cover that maybe we haven't talked about yet? I'll just make a plug for myself. Go ahead, As make the, a plug. Uh, team lead for IPASC. Uh, my email is jpagan at dinfos.edu. I don't mind giving that out because my goal is to not only teach, but it's to educate, train, and develop for the future. So please reach out to myself if you're having a hard time figuring out how to find out how to do MTTs. I will just tell you that um, Denfos is dedicated to the training of the visual information and public affairs and communication strategy professionals within the DOD. And we are continuing to look at how we can support that the fleet in the field. And for me, the mobile training is just one of those modernization efforts that gets after that. Uh, we absolutely a thousand percent care about making sure that we're succeeding in the information environment. Um, so if you have a skill gap, let us know. We will figure out a way to get you that training. Don't hesitate. Don't think about it. Just give us a call because we'll figure something out. We're here to help you. And to me, you know, Denfos is always been home to me. And uh, I, and now there's so many different ways to reach out to get the training you need. So uh, reach out. We're here. That's great. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I think we really learned a lot today. Um, you know, it's important, I think, to show folks not just what we do inside the building, but outside of the building, too. So to talk about a program that is so vitally important to not just our domestic students, but students all over the world um, is really important to all of our listeners, I believe. So again, I appreciate you guys. And hopefully we'll have you on for another episode in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. And uh, wow, that was fun. It was. Yeah. I love podcasts. I want to so. do it more. Now I got to do it. <laughs> Thanks for having us.